0: Welcome to the parental compass created by family education and support services i am your host bobby williams as always if you like what you hear please subscribe to us on whatever platform you are listening on one thing that we don't think a lot about is the way that our mind influences our body we also don't really think about how our senses can influence the way we learn, the way we're making decisions, or even how patient you're feeling in that moment. It's something I had not really thought much about. Our guest today is Trent McIntyre. Trent teaches a thing called sensory training, and it's about how you can get your mind and body and senses to all work together to help build new pathways in your brain. It was just a fascinating conversation. I think you're gonna like it. Let's get into it.
1: For 25 years, I've been helping people problem solve and fill in gaps to restore their quality of life through improving movement um, with a particular focus on brain performance. So there's a a brain lens that I look through when I'm solving problems for people. Uh, Clients are all ages from young kids to older adults, but people that are really looking to fill in a gap that interrupts their quality of life.
0: Yeah, well, and so you do sensory training and I've never even heard of that concept before. So, I mean, break it down for me. What is sensory training?
1: Yeah, so I'll give you a comparison. So if you think about how we're used to thinking about our body in terms of being strong, mobile, coordinated, we can look at our joints. We can look at our our arms and our legs and think, okay, we want them to be strong and, and mobile and coordinated. To suit whatever we're trying to accomplish in our life and the same is true for your senses they they have the ability to be weak or strong and they have the ability to be coordinated or discoordinated and and you have um very sort of very few um, of us are putting our attention on this so it's sort of like this invisible thing that has actually a huge impact on how well our brain works and so just like you give an exercise to a muscle in your body you give an exercise to your senses and what's really cool about sensory training is that um, anybody can do it. It's really easy. It's just we don't think of it as being something that we, we could or should do, um, mainly because I think because the number one sense that has such a huge impact on our life is our eyes. Mm-hmm. And we can't look at our own eyes performance. We can see our eyes in the mirror but we can evaluate our own eyes, strength, range of motion coordination by looking at them. Whereas just about everything else in our body, we could look at and we could make a comparison while it's moving. Mm-hmm. And so to me, even though the eyes are like the number one sense, they're almost invisible to us. And so I think that's sort of the underlying factor of why we don't really look at them as such huge um, factors. And the other reason is that you think of going to the eye doctor and what happens when you get your eyes measured is that you're sitting still And they're focused on measuring acuity. So how crisp something is. And, and that's what we think of like measuring your eyes is how well you can see something clearly, but, but it goes beyond that. And that's, what's exciting to me is that going beyond that is where, where we have big impact.
0: So how does it go beyond it then? I get the idea of something's clear or not clear, but how else can you train your eyes then? Or what else can you do? So,
1: Um, one of the most important things that they can do is have uh, a balanced and well-rounded range of motion. So literally how much your eyes can move around in your socket. Mm -hmm. And that is tied directly to the muscles of your eyes and being able to strengthen those muscles and encouraging them that movement to happen. So that's through various kinds of tracking with your eyes. And, And sometimes people have heard of vision therapists, because if you have somebody that has a really marked issue with their eyes and they might even see the eyes are positioned differently in, in, in their head. Mm-hmm. They might go to a vision therapist to, to strengthen it so that the eyes appear to be more normal and they function on a better level. But the cool thing is that, that, that work is super important and vision therapists are really needed. In fact, um, I hold their work up very highly, really high regards for their work. Everybody needs to exercise their eyes. And so I'm just, I'm here with a call to please consider <laughs> sensory training and moving your eyes because we're used to looking at our eyes when they're still not when they're moving Mm -hmm. and and the other thing the second thing that's really big is having both eyes actually see the same thing at the same time and that's for me that's where I ran into some big problems and overcoming that was huge in my having my ability to be able to read
0: well I want to talk about that a little bit because you were born with a form of cerebral palsy and used a lot of the sensory training for yourself so i guess what did things look like when you were younger how did that cerebral palsy inhibit your life
1: yeah so um, i have what you consider a a class one cerebral palsy and so um, one way of measuring a classification for cerebral palsy is like classes one through five Mm
0: -hmm. and
1: the higher up the number the more severe the case is and usually by the time somebody gets to class three or higher You and I would know by looking at them because they might they will probably have some kind of walker or walking device and then eventually into a wheelchair as the classes go up. A lot of people have class one and don't even know it, and you wouldn't know by looking at me that I that was born with cerebral palsy. And in fact, I was 19 when I discovered that I actually even was born with cerebral palsy, and that was really the start of like diving into what is this, what what's happened, how's it informed, and so basically you can think of it like this: is when you when you were born with a head injury that's cerebral palsy. So I was born with a mild head injury. So having a brain injury at birth means that my brain has to rewire and learn how to do things without the use of the part that's been injured. And so how it showed up for me in my body and function was I had no mobility in my ankles. And so I had to learn how to walk on the balls of my feet. Now, a lot of people are toe walkers, which is, which is, is, is different because I wasn't just a toe walker. I literally had no range of my ankles, so I couldn't put my heels down. So if you said, Trent, put your heels down. I, I would have no ability to do that. And and I was in my twenties before I could lift my arms higher than my shoulders without arching my wow. back and compensating. Mm-hmm. And so it, and it, I was always athletic as a kid and I played basketball and I eventually got into dance and I wanted to be a professional dancer. And I went to college for that. I got a scholarship for it. And it was dancing and getting injured that led me to the discovery that i was born with cerebral palsy and i I'd, I'd woke up one morning after a lot of a lot of physical effort in my in my dance program and could barely walk and mm. had such pain from the knees down that just didn't make sense to me and it was like but it was so severe that i felt like this could end everything i this might not be something i can recover from and i was home for holiday and i was just kind of complaining to my mom and i don't know what's going on i can i can barely walk in the morning there's so much pain and I don't get why it's from my knees down. And that's when she looked at me and she said, well, Trent, that's because you were born with cerebral palsy. Mm. I was like, wait, what? I don't even know what that is. Like, what do you mean? And she's like, yeah, I don't you remember when you were three. And I'm like three, I don't remember three, but, of course, but I'm trying, yeah. I'm trying, you know, mm-hmm. when um, the doctors put casts on your legs to force your heels down because you didn't have any range of motion in your ankles. And I was like, at that moment, I remembered having casts. I remember up and down the stairs with these casts on it was so challenging and my brother putting, you know, garbage bags on them and throw me in a snowbank because that was the funny thing that older brothers would do back then. And so I had all these memories and I was like, wow, so there's a reason. So that really sparked my own like problem solving nature to fix my own issue. And I was already, I was already taking movement therapies and kinesiology and anatomy and all these coursework that I just pulled from to put something together to try to rehab my own injury. And in the end, I was able to, in a very short amount of time, recover and go on to dance professionally. So that, yeah. that led to first my own solutions and then helping other people. And back then there was no literature published about the brain for me to pull up and go, Oh, well, here's what's happening in the brain. And here's, here's how I address it. And it wasn't even really commonplace to say that the brain was plastic back then that it could change. Yeah. And so it wasn't until years and years of, of working with clients and helping other professionals work with their clients, that literature was coming out about the brain. And I'm thinking, well, I better read this because this seems like it's important for my work. And as I'm reading the books and I'm like, this is exactly what I do. Like, yeah, the brain is plastic. It changes. And that's what I do. I change patterns. I change pathways. I restore things that were lost and you know, the world's kind of collided for me at that point.
0: So, I hear you talking about these physical ailments, but then you're also talking about training your eyes and things like that. So how do the two connect? Cause it seems like there's the mental side and the physical side. So how does that overlap?
1: Yeah. So I'll tell the, um, the other part of my story, which is that I, I failed the first grade because I really struggled at reading
0: mm. and it
1: wasn't until I was in my thirties that I actually discovered that the issue was that my eyes didn't work well together. So you, know, you have this one thread of having a brain injury that limits me physically, and then I have this other thread where my eyes don't work well together. And mm. then the discovery of that, and then strengthening that, putting those two things together, it, it created a, just a huge interest in bringing more sensory training into just regular practice for everybody. Yeah. And, and so we've, we've since learned that um, when you improve perception, you improve action. So better perception equals better action. And we perceive things through our senses. And so if you can improve how well your senses are functioning, how strong they are, you get better action. And that's where that that mind-body connection happens. And that's where that, what seems to be brain training becomes physical, where it's, they're directly connected. You know, one, one, improving one directly improves the other. And so, you know, for kids that struggle with reading regulation, focus, attention, all of these things, you know, you can, you can create in just a few minutes, the ability to accomplish things that maybe they've not accomplished in their whole life because they haven't addressed strengthening the senses, you know, they may have done everything else, you yeah. know, that, that exists, but they haven't actually done, you know, the, the work, the, the, the strengthening of the senses to give them a chance to function at a higher level.
0: Totally. Uh, when I was young, I was diagnosed with ADHD and a form of dyslexia. Okay. So um, I hated spelling tests. I hated reading. Yeah. I was, you know, feeling bad about not being able to do it. Um, what would you do with a kid like that? Like, what would be the next steps to get them on track a little more?
1: Yeah. Well, I actually developed a product. I developed the Brain Speed Ball, and that's 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 oh, my cool. go to because. You know, when you take this um, for those listening and not watching, when you, when you take this bright orange ball and it has A through Z and one through 12 printed on it in black, and we're going to play a game of catch. So if you and I were playing a game of catch, um, then I w- I'll i just pretend like we are here and I'll teach you how to play. So this mm-hmm. is what I would do. I would I would want to get your brain to be more efficient and to process faster, not faster in the sense that you feel like I'm really sped up and I'm hyper. Mm -hmm. faster in the sense that it takes less effort to process and react to what's going on in your environment so that you have lower stress you have a quicker response from your brain so that you have you have a a better chance at being able to sit down and focus on a task because you're not being pulled in all these directions and not having stress levels be high so if we were playing the game i throw the ball to you you throw it back to me and first just to make sure you can catch the ball because by the way sometimes it requires rolling the ball Or even just handing the ball because some people can't necessarily catch a ball um so if i throw the ball to you and you catch it what i would say is tell me what you see in the ball so you would catch it and you'd say out loud five and you throw it back to me then i throw it back to you you catch it and you'd say v and we do this back and forth and at, at the first level what we're doing is is calling upon a part of your brain a process in your brain that already exists that is we sense what's happening we decide what to do about it and then we act on it and that sense decide act is a regular loop that's already happening in our brain that's something that's been proven by research and so what we're doing is we're we're tagging on to that process so you're sensing where the ball is and you're 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 catching it you're deciding what you're going to do you're going to say it out loud and then you act on it by saying it out loud and we do that over and over again for a few minutes and you improve that process you you actually laying down stronger tracks for that process to happen
0: now so it, it, go ahead. it connects the like physical i'm catching the ball the yeah. eyes of i'm looking at it and then just kind of wrapping your mind around like quick decision making and that right. is actually building part of your brain
1: yes you're building the the, the the strengthening the process of being able to process the information and have output Mm-hmm. so you don't get stuck in there and slow that down and get frustrated and then have a stress response and then it just kind of makes things worse. So to make it better, we want that process to be more efficient.
0: Yeah. And can this help in like do you have to play this game for hours? Do you play it for 2 minutes or how does yeah, that 5
1: minutes or less? And that's that's what's really cool. You know, there's a lot of really wonderful brain research that exists and people using techniques, brilliant people, and it's it's taking hours and hours and hours to see measurable results. Mm-hmm. And I don't know about you, but I don't have that kind of time. And my kids don't have that kind of time. And we we need something that can give that, get them on track and put them in the right direction pretty quickly. So we see pretty powerful results in just a few minutes. And the idea is that this, this is a fun game. And I can't emphasize the fun piece enough because if you, if you have a diagnosis, let's just take you, for example, sure. You have, you have whatever label and shame comes with the diagnosis. Now you're different. Now you're an other. And, And so now you're going to these therapists and you're getting these, these, these techniques and these medicines and all the stuff that might be happening for you. And it's all because there's something wrong with you. Mm -hmm. So what I love is that you can bring the brain speed ball into, into the situation and actually not make it about whatever, whatever label or diagnosis you have. So I'll give you an example. There's a, a young girl that I worked with. She was 13 and she's on the autism spectrum and her, her mom wanted me to work with her. And I was like, that'd be great. But here's the thing. I don't want to talk about autism and I don't want to talk about Asperger's. I want to talk about things that she loves to do. So what does she love to do? Well, she loves to dance. And I'm like, well, I happen to have some experience with that. So I might be able to relate to her a little bit. And so let's make it about dance. So she brought her to the the booth where I was seeing clients at the time. And I said, you know, I hear that you love to dance. And she's like, oh, yeah. But my teacher always gets on me about not jumping high enough and looking down and all Mm -hmm. this and so I said, well, let's see if we can make your, your leaps better, make them go higher and see if your head can come up. And so she, I said, just do, do some leaps across the floor in the ballroom. So she's just jumping across like a ballerina. And I said, well, then let's play a game. And we played just like I described to you back and forth, having your say what she sees. And then I said, okay, now, now do your leaps again. And she did them across the floor. And she turned to me and she's like, Oh my gosh, like those are higher. That feels higher. What happened? How'd you do that? Like, what's going on? You know, she really could feel a difference in without, me giving her instruction in dance to do something differently, but she could just feel that she had the ability. And so we kept playing and, you know, for less than 10 minutes total. um, And that was wonderful by itself, but here's what's really cool. I never made it about her her sensory processing um, struggles or deficits or labels. And after the conference was over, I got home and I got a note from her mom, this really beautiful note saying what you don't know is Before she saw you that day, we had been out on the strip because it was a conference in Las Vegas and she wanted to see the strip. We went out and she got so overwhelmed by the noise Mm. and the lights. That would be the place to get overwhelmed. Yeah. Right. Right. And so she just, she like fell to the, to the ground crossing a street and she had to be carried, carried off because she was so overwhelmed. And, and so that's where she was before you saw her. Well, that night there's a party like there is every year. And it's like a three hour party with lights and a DJ and, you know, all this stuff. And she's like, normally we go to the party for like a half hour, then we go back and it's no, it's no problem. We'll just decompress and relax. And she said, Trent, she stayed for three hours and when we got back to the hotel. She wasn't tired and overwhelmed. She's like, never has she been able to do something like that? You know, so to me, it's beautiful when it can show up in the life without it being like, oh, there's something wrong with you. Let's fix the thing wrong with you, you know, instead yeah. making it about this beautiful goal that you might have that is, you know, your life. And then also, by the way, helps this thing that you're having troubles with.
0: So what else can parents do with their kids to just help develop their senses at home?
1: Well, I think the first thing for parents, my challenge for any parent is to just start to consider and understand how important the senses are to our our output of everything we do, whether it's it's homework or relationships or social skills, you know, whatever those or sports, whatever that is. And you know, that can be a little bit of a leap for people. So making that leap and, and, and learning about that is really important. And I think that that's a place to start because playing a simple game of catch and tracking and saying it out loud is really easy. The hard thing for people that I've seen in my years of doing this is that is going, what does that even do? Like, okay, Mm -hmm. I'm skeptical. Like, can you prove it to me? You know, and I love that because what I say is that I don't know everything, but I, I definitely know that I'm here doing the research and I'll, I can tell you what happens and I can actually play the game with you and show you what happens and we can measure it. We can measure it with real data so you can see in your life how it shows up and improves things. And, um, that's the hard part. The game is the easy part during sensory yeah. training, you know, but, but also I want to just point out so that, that we know that there's like a one, two punch here, you know, calling it out loud and saying it is one thing that sense decide act, But the really cool thing is that I can discover where you have weakness in your eyes by throwing it to different sides of your body. Mm. And where you tend to drop the ball will be where you tend to have weaknesses for your eyes to go to that range of motion. So then we can just really encourage more catching in that zone, so your eyes have more balanced strength and coordination. Yeah.
0: Thanks so much for taking the time to be here. Do you have any closing thoughts or ideas you'd like to share with the audience? Well,
1: I'll talk, what I would like to do is just invite people to join me um, on Ask Trent. Ask Trent is a free thing that I do for people that so they know that they're not alone in understanding sensory training and how to use the Brain Speedball, whether they have one or not. And so what I do is um, you can go to fireupyourbrain.com and you can sign up for free and you get noticed for when I'm going live and you can send me questions and I, I'll answer them. Live, And if you can't make the live call or the live um, broadcast, then you get access to the videos later. So just so parents and kids know that they're not alone, that they have a resource and they can ask questions and things they might be struggling with.
0: Well, this sounds like a great idea and it sounds like you're doing really positive work. And I just, I appreciate you being here today.
1: Thanks for helping me spread my message. I really appreciate it.
0: Thank you, Trent. Like I said, it seems like you're doing some really important work out there. This has been the Parental Compass, Family Education and Support Services, Bobby Williams. We'll see you next week. Peace.